Come on, somebody give Jesus a big shout this morning. Come on. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, man, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Come on, come on, just tell him. Woo, hallelujah. We just, uh, it's, it's always, it's always a, a blessing to be here at The Promise. I, I, I was able to lead worship here a few times this year, as well as hang out with the worship team in January. And, and uh, it's always a, a, an honor. And, and we bless wherever, I don't know which camera I should look at, but with Dr. Henry and, and, and Pastor Cindy, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, when, one of my favorite parts about this service is actually the prayer time before the service. <laughs> and, this, and here's why. Because miracles don't just happen randomly and and the flow of the spirit doesn't just happen by you know happenstance it happens because you guys are a praying church and you're and you're in leadership i mean the worship today amazing flow i loved it and and even that that cc whining song that was so good my life is better come on it's so good and I'm saying God doesn't just move in power in a random happenstance. It's because you guys have a praying church, a hungry church, and a church that's open to the things of the Spirit. How many would say amen? And that happens because you have leaders who say, I want, I want God to do whatever he wants to do in our, in our house. And so we just honor your leaders here. And, 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 and Pastor Brown, you guys got a lot of pastors up in this house. I, he was naming a lot of them. I was like, come on, somebody. That's, that's awesome, raising up the, 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 the fivefold ministry. And so I am going to share a word, but before we get in, uh, if you want, you can turn to Psalm 96, and, and then I, I just want to share a, briefly about the, the books that I have in the back there. Um, like Pastor Brian was mentioning, I, I work with the Fire and Glory Outpouring, which is down, down the road there in San Marcos, revival meetings that have been going on since January of 2016. Basically what happened was there was a conference, God poured out his spirit in January 2016, and, and long story short, the conference has not ended. We're still rolling. So four nights a week of revival, God's been moving and miracles, signs, wonders, impartation. I'm, I'm telling you, and, I, and I'll get into this maybe in a little bit, what we see God do on a regular basis is is from anywhere from we're going to teach the word and equip the saints to where you know cancer's dissolving Lyme's disease is getting healed demons are coming out of people I mean all the stuff that's normal of the kingdom of God we see that on a regular basis and and I was on staff at uh, my church there in San Marcos for about 12 years and then the Lord launched me out to to work with them as well as to travel and and the freedom to give me to go all over the place and preach the gospel like last Sunday I was in Maricopa Arizona out of all places, and then preaching at Patricia King's church, if you're familiar with who she is, and 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 just had a blast there. God was moving in such power, so I have the, the freedom and the grace from God to just go all over the place and preach and, and lead worship, and so um, and so a part of that is I, I wrote a few books, and, and I just want to make mention briefly, uh, I wrote this book, and, and I released this on Pentecost of 2020, out of all times, come on, <laughs> Pentecost of 2020. What was happening then? Well, we don't know, but a whole lot was happening happening. And, uh, but anyway, I released this on Pentecost. That was the day when many churches opened up. Uh, but I, 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 this is called Carriers of the Ark. And in brief, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament. And the Bible would say that, that God dwelled in the, on, above the cherubim. That's these two golden angels on top of this golden box here. And, and basically, it was the throne of God on the earth. But 
It was the priest's responsibility to carry this ark upon their shoulders because it was, the, it, was, it was the people of God's responsibility to carry the presence of God. How many would say amen to that? And so I wrote this book because I found over the years that there's a lot of, uh, of people that are older in, in the faith who have paved the way through prayer and intercession and travailing and, and, and going after the things of God, taking risks, being bold for God. And then as I would pastor you, youth and young adults, I found that all the youth and young adults want to have the same results of the older generation, but they don't want to pay the price. Oh, come on, somebody. You better. <laughs> they want to see all the stuff that the last generation saw, but they don't want to pay the same price that they paid to see what they saw. And so I'm, I'm thinking, wow, we, we want to see God move in miracles, signs, and wonders, but we don't want to lay our entire lives down. We want to put our whole body and then leave a leg off the altar. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we, we want to just give God 90% and we want to see 100% results. I used to tell this to my young adults. I say, guys, halfway commitment produces halfway results. And man, I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of what God has for me. I want everything. I want, if you take my life and insert it into the book of Acts, I want to be normal. I don't want to be abnormal. Come on, man. I don't want to be inserting my life into the book of Acts, and I'm the weird guy who doesn't roll in miracles, signs, and wonders. Hello. This was normal life for them. Angels are visiting them. God's moving and healing and miracles. God is moving in power. And if I inserted my life into the book of Acts with my papers flying out of my Bible, I want my life to be normal, not abnormal. Are you with me? Sometimes in America, we have, we have settled for a less than Christianity, a powerless Christianity. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. We're already preaching the word today. We haven't even got into the Psalms. And, and I'm telling you, we have settled for something less than what Jesus paid for us to have. And before I preach that whole message, I'm going to pause and go to the next thing. I just want to say that's what this book is about, equipping the next generation to carry the presence of God to be the kind of people who host God's presence everywhere that they go so that we wouldn't just have a dead religion where we come in, clock in, and clock out and, and, and act like you know we're following Jesus on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday live like hell and then repent again on Sunday and then start all over again Monday through Saturday. Come on. I want my entire life dedicated to Jesus because when he came into my life, I got saved, saved. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't just get rededicated of my rededication of the rededication of the last rededication. Dedication. I gave my life to Jesus and I said, you can have it all and I'm not turning back. I've been following Jesus for 22 years and I've never backslid in 22 years. You want to know why? Because Jesus is everything to me. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to give this book to you because Jesus is everything to you too. And I can tell by the way you worship. Come on. Hallelujah. What's your name again? I forgot. Candace. Just put your hand here. Give me a hand. Lord, I thank you for Candace. I thank you for the anointing. Father, I thank you that she has dug a deep place in the realm of the Spirit. She's one who digs, digs, digs. And it's Psalm 42, or 40, yeah, 42, 42, verse 6. Deep calls unto deep. And I'm telling you, God says that you've dug a deep, deep place. And when you dig a deep, deep place, you've provided a deep well for the things of the Spirit to move. And, and I felt this during worship, that God has actually given you the gift of interpretation of tongues, of tongues and interpretation. And I'm telling you, I've seen this happen in my life where I began to speak other languages, and there's 
a whole testimony with that, and people would testify, and I'm, and I'm released to you, this impartation of the gift of t- speaking in other tongues and the gift of interpreting tongues. Lord, we release it to her now, and we thank you, Lord, that there's gonna be prophetic songs, prophetic sounds, and prophetic messages that are gonna come forth, and, and words of instruction, I'm telling you, that are gonna come forth from, from this woman of God at, because she's, she's uh, dug a deep place in the spirit, but you've imparted this gift to interpret the tongue. Woo, hallelujah. And we release it to her in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, uh, this is another book that I wrote called Fierce Peace. Going back to 2020 one more time, I promise, this is not commercial hour. I just want to tell you what these are so you know what you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? I, it's like, What is that? I don't know. Well, so it's called Fierce Peace. In August of 2020, I had an encounter. I was praying. I knew I was preaching that night on the peace of God at Fire and Glory. And so I was just praying. I'm walking and I'm praying. That's how I pray. I just walk and I pray. You know, the Bible said Enoch walked with God and then was not. So I'm waiting for the was not, but I'm just going to keep walking with God and keep praying. So I'm praying and praying in the spirit. And then I walk into a wall of the presence of God. And, and, and you know, the, the prophet Habakkuk says in chapter two, I look to see what the Lord would say to me. So then I looked to see what the Lord would say to me. And I saw a man standing with a sword drawn stretched out to me and he was dressed in armor and his sword was, was on my chest. It was in the spirit, but I could feel it in the, in the natural. I could feel his sword on my chest. And I thought to myself, if this is the Lord, I shouldn't be standing anymore. I should be on the ground. And then I, and then I thought, well, there's a sword on my chest, so I can't go forward. <laughs> now, I know you guys are familiar with the prophetic, so hopefully this doesn't freak everybody out. But this is a real encounter that I had with the Lord. And, and, this, and this sword, and so I thought, I can't go forward, so I'm going to go back. And his sword, I, I, I went back and laid on my back. His sword followed me down. And then the Lord spoke to me. He says, don't ever call my peace passive. We got, we got, a, weird, we got a, a weird understanding in the world of what peace is. We think peace is just being a passive pushover and letting everyone walk all over you in the name of keeping the peace. Oh, man. It's not political correctness. It's not making everybody happy. It's not people pleasing. It's enforcing the finished work of the cross. And so the Lord said that. And then as I laid down, notice, if I'm going on my face, it would be like seeking the Lord in in humility and in reverence. But if I'm on my back, that's a position of resting. Watch this. The Lord turned around stood and, and with his sword drawn and then stood guard over me. And the Lord began to speak to me, and it was, he, and I just realized I experienced Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. What does it say? That the peace of God that surpasses understanding will what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I literally experienced that scripture in the realm of the spirit. And, and watch this. God was standing guard over me, protecting me, the peace of God. I believe it was the prince of peace. And he stood guard over me with a sword drawn while I rested. We got a lot of people trying to take God's place instead of taking his peace. People trying to be their own protector, their own provider, their own defender. When while I was resting, God was fighting for me. And I'm prophesying to somebody today, if you would get on the ground and just rest in God, God would fight for you. Man, somebody should be shouting me down this morning. I'm telling you, a lot of people trying to take God's place instead of taking his peace. And, and I'm telling you today, if you would switch places with Jesus and let him defend you while you rest, you would see him defeat the enemies that are too strong for you. 
Ooh, the anointing is already flowing in this house this morning. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of God taking Jesus' place. Sometimes we do that for our family. We think we got to carry the burden of their salvation. We don't got to take that. That's Jesus' place. You were meant to rest in God, and when you rest in God, he'll fight for you, and he'll touch and reach your family with the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm standing here today because people prayed for me. My grandmother passed away four years before I was born, but she prophesied about me, and she prayed for me. I'm telling you, when I met Jesus at 17 years old, it was the result of a grandmother's prayers, and I'm prophesying to some moms and some grandmothers here today that your, your family's gonna come to Jesus because you did not stop praying and prophesying over your family. Hallelujah. Woo! It's, this is what the peace of God can do in your life. It gives you peace on the inside when storms are raging all around us. That's how Jesus could sleep in the middle of a life-threatening storm in the, in the midst of a storm on a boat. And all the disciples are freaking out. <laughs> oh, they're all freaking out. They said, Jesus, wake up. We're all going to die. They said, don't you care that we're all going to die? Watch this. When the storm around you becomes the storm within you, it distorts your perception of reality. And we start accusing God of not caring about us. And you want to know what happened? It's because we took the storm as our filter and we start looking through life through the storm, the raging storm, instead of the resting Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We don't want to live that kind of life. You don't want to live that kind of life. I don't want to live that kind of life. I want to live the life that sees Jesus resting in a storm and go, okay, my friends are freaking out, but Jesus is resting. Who am I going to take my cues from? <laughs> he must know something I don't know. <laughs> you with me on this? When the whole, I got this encounter in August of 2020. You remember that time? <laughs> it was a crazy time. All kinds of stuff going on in the world. And the Lord's going to me like, hey, listen, you can take your cues from the raging storm or from the resting Lord. Which one do you want? The Bible says, in, oh, man, I'm preaching now. I need to preach the real message, but this is the message for now. <laughs> I have a message out of Psalm 96. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's Jesus is resting in the storm, and there's, a, and there's a raging storm here and a resting Lord there, and we got to choose which one are we going to follow. We got to choose which one are we going to take our cues from. And God's, God's sharing with me this encounter, but I believe it wasn't just for me. It was for all the whole world around us. So we can learn that there's craziness going on in the world around us, but we don't have to be moved by it. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 2 that the, whole, the, the kings of the earth and the rulers take their stand against the Lord and his anointed one. Have we not seen that in our day? There is all kinds of people in leadership and in governmental positions that are taking their stand against the Lord and his ways of righteousness. I mean, all I have to say is target. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just say things like that, and you go, oh. And they're, they're taking their stand against the Lord and his, and, and you know what I love about God? And I'll land on this, and then we'll get into the official message. This is, this is hometown buffet you came to. Rest in peace. That thing died in COVID too, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Psalm chapter 2 says, the whole world is raging against God. And then Psalm chapter 2 verse 4 says, but the one who sits in heaven laughs. I love that about God. He's not going, oh man, 
They are throwing away my righteousness. They're calling evil good and good evil. What are we gonna do? Michael, Gabriel, what are we doing? He's not freaking out. He's not phoning a friend. You know what I'm saying? He is not having any problems. He's sitting in heaven, because sitting, you're sitting, it's a position of resting. He's sitting in heaven, and he's going like, <laughs> that's what you're going to try to do. And he's cracking up, having a grand old time, laughing at the devil and everything that he's planning. When's the last time you laughed at the devil? Come on, somebody. When's the last time you were so unintimidated and unmoved by the spiritual warfare that's going on around that you could just laugh at the enemy because I know that we win. Hallelujah. We serve a God who's seated on a throne and no one will ever take his place. No one. I don't care what leadership will get into position in any place, in any government, all the kings of the earth, all of the rulers, they will all fall before Jesus. That's why we can just go, ah! <laughs> you just lost $7 billion because you're trying to cater to sin. And we could just laugh at it. Oh, now, listen, come on. I'm gonna give this book out before I get myself in too much trouble. <laughs> Come on. Lord, we, here, let me see your hand. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> wow. Father, we thank you for supernatural strength. And I just declare Ephesians 3.16 over you. I declare that God would strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man. God, I thank you as she, as she goes this way and that way and this way and that way into different realms of influence. Father, I thank you that you put strength. You put strength to stand. And God says in Psalm chapter 40 where he said, I put you on a solid rock. You're standing on a firm foundation and God's strength is inside of you. God's strength, and I'm telling you, today he's releasing supernatural strength. And it's the verse that we all know, Philippians 4.13, I can, I can. I feel like that's gonna be your new confession. I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Father, I thank you that as she goes from this place to that, that her spiritual eyes would be opened that as she ministers in the marketplace and in the, in the church house. Father, I thank you for her spiritual eyes open and the prophetic anointing. I, I just see you going in in, in, in in the marketplace as well and seeing things and prophesying things over people. Where, where no one else would have been able to reach them, you're going to have an influence and a, and a reach to be able to speak life into people and be like a cutting edge. And, and, and it's, it's Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, my word is like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. It's just going to cut through and break through where hardness of heart has come to people. God's going to put a word in your mouth. And as you prophesy, I'm telling you, people are going to encounter the power and the love of Jesus. You're gonna, this is weird. You're gonna see the power of God move out in the secular places. This and it's gonna feel like a church service, but it's gonna be out there. And 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 I know, and I know some of the things you do, so I I know I know some of this, but I'm just saying, like, I see you going in, and it's gonna feel like you're in church, but you're in a bar, and you're gonna see the power of the Holy Spirit. Like people are gonna get caught up, start weeping because the love of God and the power of God's gonna touch them. And it's because the, that, that's part of your anointing, it's part of your gift to release the sound, the word, and the presence of the Lord in the marketplace. And so, Father, we thank you for supernatural strength to stand and supernatural strength and, and, and uh, to see in the realm of the Spirit and to prophesy the destiny of God over people's lives.
In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, are you in Psalm 96? <laughs> we just got like three sermons. Hallelujah. We're going to get some more. Psalm 96, beginning in verse 1, it says, Oh, everyone just say, Oh. oh. I like that. You know, you wonder, like, why do singers do that? Oh, because it's right there in the Psalms. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Oh, I love this. And it says, verse seven, give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. And I love, we'll land on verse nine. Oh, oh, there it is again. Oh, say oh. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. This morning, I wanna to speak to you about the power of praise and worship. Now, I've been leading worship for 20-something years. I don't remember. Some of you guys thought that I was only 20-something, and that's okay with me. That, that's, that's fine with me. I'll appreciate it more and more as the years go by. But I have been leading worship for about 20-something years since 2002, so I guess that's 21 now. Is that the right math? I don't know. And, and, and I have experienced God's presence and power and praise and worship in all kinds of ways. We were just in the Philippines about two or three weeks ago on a, on a missions trip, and we were in this city uh, in, the, in the south uh, called Cagayan de Oro. It's in, it's in northern Mindanao. And we're leading, uh, 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 my friends Jeremy Moreno Nelson are preaching gospel crusades, and then I would lead worship. And at the end, we, we saw over 7,000 decisions for Jesus in this whole week that we were there, from the streets to the crusades. But at the end, they would, they would have the altar call. People would give their lives to Jesus. And then uh, we would do an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because how many know you cannot live this Christian life without the Holy Ghost? So we gave them an opportunity. I would be on the piano, and we start singing, uh, send your fire, send your fire, Lord. One of, one of my songs, it's called Send Your Spirit Now, and the bridge just says that, send your fire, send your fire. So as we're praying and, and singing and releasing the fire of God, there were reports that the fire trucks of the region came by because they got reported that there was fire on top of the dome that we were ministering in. Then when they get there, they find out it's not natural fire, it's supernatural fire. Come on, man, that's like Azusa Street Revival kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, the miracles that broke out, the, the fire of the Lord went through the, the, the place. Cancerous tumors are dissolving. Blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. A miracle power of God is breaking forth. And, I, and I'm not saying that it only has to do with worship, but worship was a huge key because worship invokes the presence of God. The praise and the worship brings the, the presence of God in. And if I would give you a, a, a definition, I have a bunch of definitions I'm going to give you. But up front, I would say this, that worship is a heart dedication to God. Worship is a heart dedication to God. Notice I didn't say it was a song. It was a heart dedication to God, which will manifest through a song. But worship is a heart dedication to God. So a lot of the Hebrew words for worship have to do with bowing down and, and on, going on your face, like laying prostrate on your face before the Lord. 
What does that mean? It's a deep reverence. Worship is a heart attitude that says, I am completely dedicated and I, ha- I carry a deep reverence for the Lord. Not just in the way that I sing, but in the way that I live. Worship is a deep heart connection with the Lord. And, and you know, I look through the scripture, and, and many of you guys, if you've been in church long enough, you know about David. Dave, king David was, was the, known as the man after God's own heart. When he was the king of Israel, it was known as the golden years of Israel. It was the best time that Israel had ever experienced. But at the heart of David, David was a worshiper. How many of you guys would agree? David was a worshiping guy. But what I love about David was, and, and what I find profound, is that David David didn't start as a worshiper. David started as a broken young man in need of a father. I believe that David was, was born out of wedlock. The, the, the Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 5, he said, he, he said it like this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And then, and then when the prophet came to his house to anoint the next king, you remember the story if you're familiar in 1 Samuel 16. The prophet comes to his house because God said, I'm going to anoint the next, the next king here. And then he goes through all of his brothers and his dad didn't even think to bring him to the party. So in sin, his mother conceived him and his father, I believe, rejected him and abandoned him because he was ashamed of his sin. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? And David carried this, 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 uh, this, this brokenness inside of him. And I don't believe he was just born a worshiper. I believe he became a worshiper out of the revelation that God could be what his parents were not. He found something in God that he couldn't get anywhere else. And so he writes like this in Psalm 27, verse 10. He said, though my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. One verse says, the Lord will receive me. One translation. Why is that important? Because we we find in the life of David a very clear understanding of how worship begins. Worship for David did not begin as a religious obligation. It came from a revelation that God was everything he needed. God revealed himself to him in his brokenness and desperation. Some of us walk into church and we go, how do these guys worship so powerfully? How do they like give it all? How does she go hard for the Lord? When I was here, I think when I was here in February, God was touching you like power. She like stepped into heaven. Like, how does that happen? Because I can guarantee she got a testimony that God rescued her out of some stuff. And God touched her life and she encountered the power and the love of Jesus. How many would say amen? In other words, worship doesn't just start from a religious obligation. Worship starts when we're broken and in desperation and God meets us in our brokenness. Oh, hallelujah. And when I look at the life of David, I go, okay, now he's showing me the map because he is the the guy that we look to for worship in the scripture. Most of the Psalms were written by him. In fact, he started a thing that was called David's Tabernacle, which the first thing that he did when he was king was he brought the Ark of the Covenant, we talked about that, where the very presence of God was, and he put it in the center of the people of God. He, He pitched the tent around it, and guess what he did? He instituted musicians to minister to the Lord, to worship God day and night, 24-7, watch this, for 40 years straight. David did that. You want to know why he did that? Because he found in himself God's presence works. 
it changes everything. And when I, when I just see him, I minister to him, God, something happens in me. And for too long, the Israel had, had neglected the presence of God. So he said, I'm going to put the presence of God back in the center of the people of God. This is what happens, you know, in church sometimes. The, the presence of God is not central. You know that Jesus actually doesn't go to every church? There's some churches that Jesus doesn't go to. You want to know how I know that? In the Bible, it says in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and what? And knock. Watch this. If Jesus is outside the door knocking, that means he's not on the inside with the rest of the people. I'm not saying that's happening here because God's in the midst of you. But I'm telling you, there's churches that are, are, are good to go. They're content to go without Jesus in their midst. And God forbid that we could move on with our programs without the very presence of God within them. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I might be too intense for you this morning, but it's okay. We'll just keep it rolling. We'll just, we'll just be drinking from the fire hose today. But so David said, I want to bring the presence of God back to the center of the people of God. And the way that I'm going to, I'm going to facilitate that is worship and ministry unto God. A lot of people can get God to come, but the, the true test of relationship with the Holy Spirit is you can, can you get God to stay? God can come, and then we can grieve him, and then he can go. Now, what am I saying? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times, but he's not always manifest present. You know the difference. God's everywhere, and we believe that. David found that out as well in Psalm 139. But the point is this. He's not always manifest presence, and we want the manifest presence of God. It's the manifest presence of God that changes things. When, when David's playing his harp, the anointing comes out, and the demons that were tormenting King Saul got kicked off in an instant, not because God was omnipresent, but because he was manifest present. You follow in what I'm saying? Because God revealed his glory in the room, and then the demons are like, I'm out, I'm out of here, I don't know about you, I'm out. And this is what happens where we go and we minister. I was, not, I was ministering in the Navajo Nation in northeastern Arizona last year, and as we were worshiping, we're just singing Break Every Chain. Now, okay, that song is kind of like a kick to the throat to the devil, but as we began to worship and sing this song, this girl starts manifesting demons and starts screaming and all the whole thing, and she gets delivered and all that. But what I found was, Wow, we didn't, even have to, we didn't even have to stir anything up. All we did was minister unto the Lord, sing the power of his names, and the demons are like, I'm out of here. Get me out of here real quick. Get, where's the door? Because the power of God manifested. Are you following me? This is the power of praise and worship. So I'm going to break it down even more. What is worship? What is worship? And, and I gave you an a, a overall definition, but I'm going to start here. Worship is a response to revelation. Worship is a response to revelation. We read in verse 4, the Lord is great and he is greatly to be praised. Do you notice this, that your worship will grow or shrink in direct proportion to, you, to, you, to your view of who God is. That's why he said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You know, <laughs> if I can, we'll pick on, on the church next door. But no, I'm playing. There's some people who their, their praise is mediocre, and that just tells me that their view of God is mediocre. When your praise is shallow and limited, it's not because God is limited and shallow. It's because your view is limited and shallow. 
But the psalmist said, great is the Lord, and so therefore he is greatly to be praised. Your, I'm gonna say it again. Your worship of God will, will either grow or shrink in your direct proportion to how you view him. Worship is a response to revelation. And, and what's, what am I saying about using this word revelation? I mean when God reveals his nature to, who, to, to you, who he is to, to you. When God reveals who he is to you, then we have the ability, the response ability to worship God. I'm saying this again because I want you to get this in your spirit. Worship does not start with religious obligation. Worship starts with revelation. When God reveals himself to you, then you have the ability, the response ability to worship God. You following me? We need a revelation of who God is. I didn't know. When I got, gave my life to Jesus at 17, I did, could not tell you why Jesus died on the cross. I'm grateful that the Bible said everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, you know, it's like I didn't understand anything. I went to a Baptist preschool, and then they taught me about Noah's Ark and David and Goliath, and that's all I knew about God, okay? So I'm walking around. People are preaching the gospel to me. The presence of God becomes real. I surrender to Jesus. I get born again. But I did not understand the cross, People would tell me, Jesus loves you, he died for you. It didn't mean anything to me. You want to know why? Because it didn't have a revelation. It's not up here, it's in here. Revelation doesn't happen in your brain. It happens in your heart. It happens in your spirit. When you know that you know that you know. You can't unconvince me that Jesus is, is not real. You can't unconvince me. Because I know, I've already, I've already seen him. I've been with him. I've experienced him. I had a revelation. And so I'm sitting one day after church reading Isaiah 53, and it just says this, that he was pierced for, I'm reading the NIV, that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, or you, maybe you know it as, with his stripes, we are healed. I'm reading this, and the Holy Spirit opens my eyes, boom, and I see it, and I realize Jesus took my place at the cross. Nobody taught me this. But, but the Holy Spirit. Now, this can sound really basic to you, but for a kid who just gave his entire life to Jesus who has no idea why he died on the cross, this is a really big deal. <laughs> this is when Here I Am to Worship just came out. So, you know, there's that song. And they say, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I couldn't sing it from a real place because they didn't know what it was talking about. And then when I read there, I, I was weeping in my room. The punishment that brought us peace was placed upon him that he took our place, the punishment that I deserve for my sins. He took, he took my place. He took your place. Now, that may sound like elementary to you, but for me, that was the most breakthrough revelation that I've ever had in my life. I sat there and I wept at the mercy of God. I wept that he would love me that much. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. Then I'm getting in my car, driving to work, singing, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross and I'm weeping and the electric I'm telling you the electric power of God is coursing through my hands I'm trying to drive I need I need windshield wipers for my eyelids I'm trying to drive and the power of God is meeting me why because worship is not religious obligation it starts with revelation I got a revelation of the cross you can't unshake me from that the devil can't unshake me from that the world can't, I'm telling you, because I tasted God. And my worship now is forever fueled. I have something to respond to now. I have revelation. And, the, and, the, and the, when you go into Revelation chapter 4, it's the throne room of heaven. 
when one of the main activities that's going on in heaven is worship. And let me read this to you, Revelation 4, verses 8 through 11. It says there, and there's, there's tons, you, you should be in that whole chapter all the time. It's the best chapter in the world. But it says this, that there's these four living creatures, each having six wings, and they were full of eyes all around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the Lord saying, we sang it this morning, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You step into the throne room and there are these living creatures who have eyes all around and within. That's weird. Now, a lot of our pictures of angels are like little cherubs with little... That's not the way the Bible puts it. These are living creatures, one with the face of an ox, with the face of a lion, with the face of a man, with an eagle, and then they got eyes everywhere. I don't know how that looks, but it's, it's probably pretty, we'll say it, create, I want to say creepy, but I want to say mystical. We're going to go with mystical. It's very mystical. But what do eyes do? They see. And do you want to know why it says they day and night, they never stop saying holy, holy, holy? They never stop singing because they never stop seeing. Their worship is fueled by revelation. Their worship is fueled. They don't stop worshiping because they never stop seeing the majesty and the beauty of God. We read in Psalm 96, strength and majesty and glory and beauty are in his sanctuary. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Where we can sit in the, in the holiness, the, the beauty of holiness for days upon days upon days and never get bored. Come on, man, you don't, have to, you don't have to stand on the edge of Half Dome and Yosemite to be awe-stricken. <laughs> Has anyone ever been there? I stood on the edge of Half Dome and Yosemite, and you don't have to say, now it's time to be in awe, Andrew. <laughs> Come on, man, you don't go on the sandy beaches of Oahu and go, now it's time to relax. You, you just... The, the environment provokes you to do this. It calls you to it. You don't have, I mean, have you ever seen the look on a groom when his, when his bride comes down the aisle for the first time? The pastor doesn't have to sit there and go, now she's here. Now you can get wrecked. No, man. He sees her. That's what revelation is. He sees her coming down the aisle and he's a weeping mess. He's trying to hold it in, but he's like, you know, he's like, he's convulsing. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't have to try to like stir that up. Come on, man, it's your wife. No, you don't have to stir that up. Come on, it's a th few thousand feet cliff and you're standing on the edge. You don't have to stir any emotions up. The very thing demands a response. If worship is boring to you, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with what you've been seeing. You may just not have seen God in a while. If worship gets monotonous and just same old, same old, hello, it's because you haven't seen God in a while. And so what do I do? I lead worship for a lot of services all the time, like a lot. I lead worship for a lot of services, and someone could say, man, you could get burnt out. You could get tired and all that. But you want to know the secret to never getting burnt out? I keep seeing him. 
And if, uh, if I talk about it too long, we might not be able to finish the service. <laughs> I just look at them, and I always have a reason to sing. I always do. And when I don't feel it, I look back. If I need to, I'll look back at Revelation 4. If I need to, I'll go back into Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah encounters the Lord and he was undone. Like, I'll go back. I will stir myself in the spirit. And I pray this prayer, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. I pray this prayer and I say, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And I pray this almost every day that the eyes of my heart would be flooded with revelation light that I would see you Lord I mean I'm sitting in ta- I'm, I'm sitting there's a Mexican place called Mr. Taco over there in San Marcos and I just sat there before service I'm reading the Bible and I'm eating carne asada tacos and I'm just reading John 19 and I'm reading about Jesus on the cross and, it, and then he looks at his mom and he says behold your son and he looks at John and says behold your mom and I'm thinking and I start weeping in, in, in Mr. Taco because Jesus is dying the most excruciating death but he's not thinking about himself he's thinking about how he's taking care of his mom and I'm weeping and I'm going like, oh, Jesus, you're so selfless. You're so kind. You're so good. And I'm weeping. And I'm like, you know, you're in the midst of the restaurant, you know. And I'm like, this hot sauce is so hot. <laughs> ah. You know, I'm just trying to cover it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a <laughs> I'm texting my wife and I'm like, honey, Jesus is so good. He's thinking about his mom. Like, he's suffering the most horrific death ever. And he's thinking about his mom. He's taking care of his mom. And I'm, I'm blown away. Why am I telling you that? Because I'm still fascinated. I'm still fascinated with Jesus. I, listen, I didn't give up a skateboarding career. I was, like he was, the pastor was referring to earlier. I was, I, I actually, I used to get, I was sponsored. I used to get free, uh, six, f- six free skateboards a month. We would travel around. We would film. We'd do all this stuff. I was sponsored, and I was on the path. And, I, and you know what? When Jesus made himself real to me, I'm like, Jesus, whatever you want. And then I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to skate, I'm going to skate. I went out to skate to go film and do more things, and I rolled both my ankles in one day. So I said, okay, well, all right. Uh, I will not do this for my career. I'll just do it for fun. Well, I'm, but I'm saying that because I didn't throw that whole thing away for a dead religion. I threw it away because I saw Jesus. Well, you want to worship. You want to have like fueled worship. Ask God for a revelation of Jesus. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 24. We're still on point number one. Praise God. (laughs) It's okay. Maybe I'll finish the points. Maybe I won't. You don't know how many points I have, so you don't know if we're done or not. (laughs) Psalm 24, verse 6, David writes, and he says, this is Jacob, and he says, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. The word for face in Hebrew is plural. It actually means face is. And so what I love about this is that David, he's saying, this is the generation who seeks the faces of God, the multifaceted nature of God. One day, I'm beholding them as the selfless sacrifice who's taking care of his mom on the cross, and I'm weeping. The another, another day, I'm thanking him again for the, the price that he paid for my salvation. Then the next day, I'm thanking him because he reigns, and he sits in the heavens, and he laughs at his enemies. Then the next day, you get what I'm saying? We, we're, he's the inexhaustible God. And so David says, here's the, here's the characteristic of the generation. They seek the faces of God. They're saying, okay, I've seen you here, but now I want to see you like this. And now I want to see you like this. God, show me everything of who you are. 
He, he's the lamb that was slain, but he's the lion of Judah who triumphed. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but yet he's the servant of all who washed his disciples' feet. He is the miracle-working God. He is the one who cleansed the lepers and raised the dead and, and cast out the devils. He has all authority and all power. But yet at the same time, he humbles himself and serves us. I mean, I could go on and on. But the reason why the worship in heaven doesn't stop is because they never stop seeing the beauty of God. You cannot exhaust an inexhaustible God. And worship is always about revelation. Write this down or just memorize it. Meditation brings revelation, and revelation brings manifestation. Meditation brings revelation, and revelation brings manifestation. So you want it, you're going like, well, Andrew, how do, I, how do I encounter God? How do I see him so I can respond? Meditation. I encounter the Prince of Peace in a prayer time because I have been meditating on the word of the Lord. I could quote you Philippians 4, 7 right now off the top of my head, not because I'm religious and trying to fulfill a duty, but because this word has been my lifeline for the past 20 years. But what do I do with the word? I don't just read it, I meditate on it. I think upon it. And when you meditate upon the word, it brings the revelation. God begins to reveal himself, not up here, but in here. And then when that happens, it makes way for God to manifest or reveal himself in a, in a powerful way, in, a, in, the, in, the, in the encounter, like I said, with the Prince of Peace and all kinds of ways that God reveals himself. But you have to take the time to meditate on who God is. And he'll bring the revelation and he'll bring the manifestation. Hallelujah. What, what else is worship? Worship is a response to revelation. Worship is also from the heart. Worship is a heart connection. Worship is from the heart. You remember this passage, if you've been in church long enough, John 4, verse 23 to 24, Jesus says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And then it says in verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I believe that heart is another word for spirit. So when I say worship is from the heart, I'm saying it's from your spirit. It's a spiritual act. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. It's a spiritual act. In other words, when Jesus said true worship is in spirit and in truth, he's not saying it's, it's it, he's, or he is saying that it's not in the flesh and in falsehood. A lot of the times we can just be in the flesh and think we're going through the motions on the outside like that's what God's after. And God's not after the outward motions. God is after the heart connection. True worship happens in here. And what happened with the religious people of Jesus' day is Matthew 15, verse 8. Jesus said this, These people honor me with their lips, but what? Their hearts are far from me. They were content just to do religious obligations. They were content to just go through the motions. How many of y'all, well, we won't do a, a hand raise on this one, but <laughs> for the married people in here, <laughs> how many of you know that you can tell the difference when your spouse is loving you going through the motions versus when their heart is engaged in it? Okay, now no elbows. No one wants to amen me there. That's fine. Everyone online, you can amen. Just amen us online. <laughs> You can tell the difference when someone's bringing you love from the heart versus when they're just going through the motions. 
Now listen, I, I believe by, you know, we disregard our feelings and we walk by faith and we do it anyway. But man, when, when our faith pulls us into stuff sometimes and when our hearts are engaged, even though we're not feeling it, God can tell the difference. I'm not saying that God's up there just judging our worship and that was good, well, not that part, but that was good. I don't think that's how he is, okay? I think he's a good dad who loves to hear his kids sing to him. But what I'm trying to say is that true worship happens on the heart. It happens on the inside. It's, it's not going through the motions. It's worship. It's, it's a heart connection. connection. It's surpassing your natural understanding. It doesn't just happen out here. It happens in here. And then it makes its way on the outside. Are you following what I'm saying? Worship is a heart connection. Worship is also the lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12, verse 1, Paul writes, and he says this, I beseech you. Anyone use beseech in their regular vocabulary? I don't. NIV says, I urge you. But he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's a whole lifestyle of honoring God. We put our whole life on the altar. How, why? Out of religious? No, out of a response because it said in the view of his mercies. In the, in the, by the mercies of God, I'm saying I'm giving it all to you, Lord. I'm putting my whole life. And many times we have to sacrifice our pride and our dignity. <laughs> Sometimes we got to sacrifice our selfishness. I don't feel it. It don't matter. <laughs> you know, this is what I love about worship on earth. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to see him. We're going to worship for eternity. I like to say it like this, that if you don't like worship, heaven's going to be hell for you because that's what we're doing for all eternity. But watch this. Worship on earth, this, this life we live here, is the only opportunity we have to worship God while pain still exists. It's the only opportunity we have. We get into heaven, all the pain's gone. All the sorrow's gone. No more sickness, no more sorrow. It's all taken away. Right now is the only opportunity you have to give God an offering of worship while pain still exists in your life. While suffering is still going on in the world. While you're going through the trial, while you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you can lift up a song. And I'm telling you, that kind of song it makes waves in the spirit realm. Paul and Silas are lifting up a song after they got beaten and they're in prison, chained in the, in the, in the lower place, the lower place of the prison where all, if I can just, just be a little graphic, where all the feces would fall into. This is where Paul and Silas were placed, chained up, open wounds, bleeding. And they somehow found a place in their heart to lift up a song to God. And God always responds to the sacrifice of praise. They begin to worship, and you know what happened. All the prisoners were listening, and God sent a mighty earthquake and shook all their, their, their chains, and the prison doors flung open, and they were completely set free. I'm telling you, your sacrifice of praise makes waves in the spirit realm. And you, this is the only opportunity you have to give God that while we live on the earth. I don't know about you, but I want to take advantage of that opportunity. I want to store some treasures up in heaven so that when I get there, I can throw them all at his feet. Come on, somebody. Worship is a lifestyle. And, you know, years ago, there was a, there was a young girl in our, in our young adult group, and, and I wrote a song called Love of the Father. And the, the, the last part 
just says, it just is a declaration. And we just say, I am loved by the Father. I am loved by my Father. And we're just declaring this. She came up at the end. She says, I, don't, I can't sing that song. I said, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, I don't really believe it. She didn't believe. She had gone through abusive situations and tough things that had gone on in her early life. And she could not get to the place in her heart where she could say, I am loved by my Father. And you know, I said to her, I said, you need to sing it anyway. I mean, like, that's kind of insensitive. No, 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 no. Because when you begin to sing, sing truth, regardless of how you feel, it pulls you in to that reality. You all know the verse, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, if you keep confessing for the rest of your life that I'm not loved by God, it's not that it's true, it's a lie, but for you it'll be true. You created your own world to live in. This is why I sing songs of scripture and songs of faith and songs of truth, regardless of how I feel, because I know the truth of God's word when I declare it out of my mouth will pull me into that reality. James 3 said, our tongues are like a, the rudder of a ship and they will steer the direction of your life. And so I said, you need to sing this anyway that you're loved by the Father because you need to get that Father's love into your heart. It's the truth of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, what does it say? How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We need to wrap a melody around that so we can drive that truth deep into our hearts. St. Augustine says when you sing, you pray twice because there's something about singing the word of God that gets it deep inside of our spirit. Why am I saying this when I'm talking about worship as a lifestyle? Because your singing worship will actually fuel your lifestyle of worship. The same way your lifestyle of worship to God will fuel your singing and bring more meaning to it. They feed each other. I'm not going like, I'm not going to sing that because I'm not living that perfectly. I'm going, no, I'm going to sing the truth of God's word over my life until it becomes my reality. I refuse to lower my standard to my experience when God's word is way up here. Just because I haven't seen someone get healed in this area doesn't mean that God doesn't do that. It just means that I'm learning to catch up to the, what the truth and the reality of what God said. Are you following what I'm saying today? This is why worship as a lifestyle feeds your singing and your singing feeds your lifestyle. For the young lady, it was, a, it was a catalyst moment for her to discover God as father and that he is a loving father. He is not an abusive, but a caring and kind father who gives us good gifts. Every perfect and good gift comes from the father who's above, yes, and, and he blesses his kids. And sometimes you need to sing it until you believe it. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like we're throwing out stakes left and right. And if I'm talking too fast, you can get the rewatch online. Come on, somebody. Jesus. I'm going to go really quick, and I'm going to land this plane. Because I have actually three more things that I want to say, and I promise I will go quick because I'm supposed to end in like three minutes. Praise God. <laughs> What is praise? We talked about what is worship, what is praise. And they're not always synonymous. You can, but it's not always. Praise is thanksgiving. Praise is a genuine appreciation for who God is and what he's done. Very simple. Praise is thanksgiving. When you experience his love, when you experience his kindness, it is the natural response to be grateful. Yeah. To say, thank you, Jesus. 
And we, watch this, especially when I have a propensity to complain, I will be more intentional to be thankful. You know that our praise and our thanksgiving silences the mouth of the enemy. But Jack Taylor said this, that praise, or oh, I'm gonna say it, I messed it. Complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. I don't know if I wanna hit you with this next one here. But if God inhabits our praise, who inhabits our complaining? Now, I'm not saying you can't be real and just say what you're feeling, what you're going through. That's, not, that's fine. God likes us to be real. Read the Psalms. But we don't camp there. And we don't let that be our confession for our lives. The devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. I mean, that sounds like a bad country song. You know what I'm saying? I think I might be making some enemies now. <laughs> I do like, I, do, I like some good country, okay? I like Garth Brooks. He's good, you know what I'm saying? He's old school, but he's good. <laughs> Back at our old house, we, used to, we, lived, we lived next to a big field, and I had a pile of rocks in our front yard. One day, I went to move them, and a snake jumped out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was freaking out, and, I was, and then I got my phone out. You know what I'm saying? We're like, yeah, because that's what we do in this day and age. But I began to think about it, and I go like, why was the snake there? because I made a dwelling place for it. Snakes like rocks in hot weather. That's where they are. And sometimes we wonder why there's a snake, why there is attacks in our lives and all that. It may be because we've made a dwelling place for them. But God inhabits praise, and I don't know about you, but I want, I want the presence of the Lord to inhabit. I don't want, I don't want darkness to inhabit. God deliver me from darkness, I don't wanna live in that. But when I make a, a dwelling place for God, he comes and dwells. Praise is thankfulness. Praise is expressive. I, this could be a whole message in itself, but I'm, I'm trying to move forward here, ladies and gentlemen. Praise is expressive. Many of the Hebrew words for praise are verbs. They're action words. They are something that you do. For example, there is sing and shout and clap your hands, lift your hands, kneel, bow, prostrate, dance. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord always and dance and play music on all that kind of stuff. This is what I found is that your outward expression completes your inward devotion. Your outward expression completes your inward devotion. I'm almost done here. And why is that important? Well, let's go back to, to the marriage example. <laughs> How many of your spouses would appreciate you just saying, I love you in your heart? They're like, I told you back at the altar, I love you and I'm committed to you. And I've been loving you in my heart for the last 20 years. How many of you know that's, that's like a recipe to get a chonkla to the forehead? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Get a shoe thrown across the room. <laughs> because, because... <laughs> I love you doesn't just happen inside here, it happens out here. A lot of people are content to say mild in their expression in praise. But guess what? Your outward expression will complete that inward devotion that you say that you have for the Lord. You with me? It doesn't mean everyone has to do backflips and take laps. If you do that, praise God. You know what I'm saying? That's fun. We were singing Glorious Day the other day, and it says... And I ran out of that grave. And then literally people were taking laps because they were running and they were running around. She was there. She was in the room. This is one of my disciples here, Maddie. She's got encountered by the Lord last year and she's going hard ever since. You should ask her her testimony. But what am I saying? If you want to take a lap, go for it. All I'm saying is if you really want to express your love to God, don't just do it in here. It starts here. 
but it makes its way on the outside. And I found for me as I travel that to get people to dance is one of the hardest things to do. (laughs) You want to know why? Because they have to cross the threshold of passivity in order to enter into passion. You, you got you, you to gotta sacrifice your dignity. You got to sacrifice your pride to get into that kind of praise. But man, when you stop caring what people think about you, you break the fear of man off your life, you will give God a crazy praise and not care what anybody says all around you. Hallelujah. I'm going to try to land right here. Praise, last thing is, and I said this already, but praise is the dwelling place of God, and this is the scripture. Praise is the dwelling place of God. Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, you are holy. You can tell David found what was going on in heaven. You are holy. And then he says, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Enthroned. The King James would say, inhabits. He inhabits our praise. And I'm telling you, praise is the dwelling place of God. This is where God manifests himself. The Hebrew word for praise there is tehillah. Now make sure there's a H instead of a Q. You know what I'm saying? It's tehillah. Cheesy joke. I have to do it every time. I don't know why. It just is like, pops up and it's like, are you ready to tell this joke? And I'm like, all right, I guess we'll do it. Tehillah is the Hebrew word for praise, one of them. And it means the spontaneous, the, the, the song that is flowing out of your heart to God. Not necessarily words on a screen, but words that are coming out of your heart. And when you begin to lift up a song that comes straight from your heart, God, he responds to all types of worship and praise. But when you begin to lift up something that is straight from your heart, God says, ah, I'm coming. I am going to release my kingdom power. He sits enthroned on praise. Kings sit on thrones. And Jesus' prayer for us was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want to see heaven invade this place. You want to see heaven invade your homes. You want to see heaven. I'm telling you, the key is lifting up praise to God. And as you do that, you create a dwelling place for God to come. And kingdom power starts being released. People start giving their lives to Jesus. Bodies start getting healed. People get revelation. And God begins to move in your household. I used to sing that song a lot, House of Miracles. And I used to declare... Not just this is a house of miracles. I would say, come alive in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you know that song. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. I would sing that for the church when I was in it, but then I would sing it for me because I am a house of miracles. And then I started singing it in my, in, my, in my office at my house. And I said, no, my house is a house of miracles. This is a place where people encounter God. And then I thought, no, my neighborhood is a house of miracles. And I just began to create a dwelling place for God. And I'm telling you one of the kids came over to our house one of my son's uh, friends he's six years old and I grabbed my guitar I'm about to go lead worship at a service he said hey what are you gonna go do and I said well I'm gonna go sing to Jesus man and he said oh yeah and you could tell he was like I have no idea what are you just talking about <laughs> and I had to go because I don't want to be late to service we had this little thing called an evangel cube. If, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a little thing that has pictures on it, preaches the gospel. I said, Hunter, my son, I said, Hunter, go tell your friend, go get the evangel cube and tell him the gospel because we had just gone over it like a couple weeks before. And then, and then I'm driving. And then my wife, 
who is playing drums at a service right now. And then my two sons were sitting there with our neighbor kid friend. Uh, he's six years old. They preached the gospel to him. And then I text, I text him on the drive. I said, hey, did Eric receive Jesus? And they said, yes, he accepted Jesus in our living room. Right there, six years old, gave his life to Jesus because he got the gospel. I'm telling you that because my house is a house of miracles. My house is a place where God dwells. My house is a house of healing. My house is a house of salvation. My house is a place, I am a place where people encounter God. How do I make that happen? I'm a worshiper. I worship God and he dwells in my praise. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Let's stand together. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> Just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We declare you are Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing in this house. And I just thank you that this, this morning, God, I thank you. There's an impartation for the house of the Lord to go deep, to go deep, deep. They've experienced some, some encounters and some powerful things in praise and worship. But Father, I thank you that this house, and I, and I prophesy that this house is going deeper in the things of worship deeper in the realm of the spirit, deeper in the dwelling place of God. And I just declare over this house that there's gonna be a times where people are just gonna walk into the atmosphere without anyone laying hands. This maybe already is probably happening, but I just see this, where people are just gonna walk into the atmosphere of the worship that's lifted up to God and healing's gonna come, uh, deliverance is gonna come, and people are gonna get revelation of who God is, and they're gonna begin to say, I need to, I need to give my life to Jesus because there's a dwelling place for God here. And I, and I feel like it's like Bethel where Jacob had an encounter with God. He prayed or he, he, he goes to sleep on this rock in Bethel. And then he has this, this dream where the ladder into heaven, the angels are ascending and descending. And then he says, after he wakes up, he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I wasn't aware of it. I feel like God's saying that there's an awareness coming to many in the church today that, they're, that they've been coming and they love God and they've been here and they've tasted God here and there. But I feel like the Lord's going to begin to release revelation to say, wow, God is in this place more than I ever even knew he was. There's going to be a realm of revelation that comes over this house where people are going to go, wow, I wasn't, I, surely the Lord Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And Father, I thank you for the increased angelic activity that's gonna be released in this house. It says that the angels ascend and then they descend. And because, the, I feel like the Lord's saying, because this is a house of prayer, God says the angels are gonna go up with your requests and then release supernatural breakthrough as they come back down from the heavens and release it. Father, I declare an increased realm of angelic activity in this house. There would be breakthrough through there would be there God I thank you there's going to be family members that are touched and God people encountering Woo! right there the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost Lord we release that in this room all over this place Lord we release the waves of your presence right there just take it just take it in Jesus name Woo! 
Just lift your hands. Lord, we declare in Jesus' name, we declare the impartation of the spirit of worship, the impartation of the spirit of praise. And God, I thank you this morning that you release the key of David. God, that you open doors that no man can shut and you shut doors that no man can open. We release the key of David to this house today. God, I thank you for unlocking realms in the spirit, unlocking realms in the heavens. Lord, that the open door that John went through, God, I thank you for taking a whole company of people through the open door in Revelation 4 to encounter and to behold. Lord, release the spirit of revelation here. Oh, woo! Take it in Jesus' name. Lord, we release that in this house today. Lord, we release it in this house today. Hallelujah. Come on, if you feel the presence of the Lord, can we just have the prayer, the prayer ministry team come up to the front? If you can feel God's presence moving all over you, I want you to come to the altar and let them lay hands and let us lay hands on you. Come on, if you're here and you can feel God moving on you, I want you to come to the altar and we're just gonna bless you. Woo, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, take it. Thank you, Jesus, right there. Just go ahead, lay hands on them. Lord, we just declare the power. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. There you go. Take that in Jesus' name. Take that. I'm telling you, the spirit of revelation is coming on you. Woo. There you go. And the deep, deep heart of David being released. We release it to you now in Jesus' name. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Fire in Jesus' name. Woo. We release that to you now. Yeah, there you go. Take that open heaven realm. We release it to you now. Where? <sighs> Woo! Lord, I thank you for that spirit of revelation to come upon her. <laughs> and I thank you. She's one like Mary who will bring the offering and pour it all at your feet. Woo! We release that to you now in Jesus' name. And God says your worship is like a fragrance pleasing to me. The Lord said, you've lifted up the fragrance of worship. And God says, your, your sacrifice has been honored and your sacrifice has been like a memorial, like Cornelius. And God says, you're about to see breakthrough come as a response to your sacrifice. And those you've been believing for, God says, I'm going to touch and I'm going to snatch them from the fire in Jesus' name. Woo. Lord, bless. Fill in Jesus' name. Fill. Lord, release your revelation. Lord, we exalt you in this house. You worthy of it all. You worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. We minister to you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. We worship you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. 
from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. One more time we say, you are worthy of it all, King Jesus. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. We worship you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless you, Lord. If you're here and you never accepted Jesus, if you're not sure where you're going when you die, you need to get Jesus. You need him in your life. And wherever you are, you're just gonna keep worshiping, but wherever you are, just call on the name of the Lord. Just ask him, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I give you my life. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if that's you, you just, just, just say that to him. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I give you my life today. I turn to you. I turn away from sin and I turn to you. Lord, we exalt you and we thank you for your cross. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the worshipers you're raising up in this house. And we give you glory. Today may be your day. And I know there's some people sitting out there today where you know you need to make a decision. God's presence, his anointing, and his love is here today. I'm going to dismiss the service, but if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or you know you need to do that again, I want you to come forward. I'm going to dismiss the service. If you have to leave, you can leave, but those that want to come at the altar, you want to receive some prayer, you can stay behind. So you're dismissed, church. Those that want to worship, those that want prayer, those that want to shake our hand for making a decision to serve Jesus and surrender to him today, please come on down. We love you. You can keep the music going, but the service is dismissed.